Hey folks, welcome to episode 89 of Biomast. We really appreciate you guys hopping in with us this weekend. Uh, so we've got kind of a mixed bag tonight. Little little bit of gamey stuff, uh, a little bit of news here and there, but actually we're going to talk a little bit about some of the movies that have come out recently. We've kind of been waiting to nerd out on a couple things, and we've, we've kind of missed our opportunity here and there, so we were going to give it a shot uh, on tonight's episode. So just be fair warned. Here be spoilers from this point forward. And I'm kind of covering myself and, you know, that in case we like totally hose somebody. Uh, but without further ado, further ado, let's go ahead and knock out some introductions from the team. So as usual, we're going to start by the tried and true method of starting from the top of the list in the Mumble recording room. So with that, admin, please give us an intro. I'm Soraya Zell. I'm a co-host here on the show. I'm an editor on the blog, and that's about it. Thank you. And Mr. Bate? Hey everybody, what's up? My name is Awa Bate, and uh, you can find me in Eve uh, under the name Roger Bate. I'm a member of the Incorruptibles Corporation and a uh, a writer for the Biomass blog. Good deal. And Mr. Draven. I'm Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations, uh, co-host here on the show when I write for the blog. Outstanding. And I'm Jason Larson. I am one of the purveyors of the Biomass podcast, as you can hear as I speak. I am not one of the purveyors of the website, although I am a peruser of the website in that I like what I, I don't do a single thing for the website. And that's really all uh, Pokey and Zell and Bait for the most part. Uh, Pokey does a lot of the work on the, the architecture and putting some things together. Um, you know, Bait actually has been a, uh, a fairly consistent content content component for us. And uh, where would we be without Zell who Claims all, all internet dominance by basically posting the blog so that everybody can, or really the podcast, so everybody can hear it. So for, from a certain point of view, he, he may be the linchpin of the operation because he's the only one that can actually get the shit on iTunes. And we all are pretty much clueless without him. Um, other than that, it's uh, it's been a pretty good day. It's a pretty easy weekend for most folks coming as we close out January, first month of the year. Uh, although we do have a bit of a snowpocalypse going on in, in uh, some parts of the United States proper. And it's uh, it is definitely shutting down some areas that normally don't get snow, and it's not normally it's not like a little little bit of light dusting of snow. It's like legit. Some people like, like literally eight, are buried, yeah. and we might never see them again. That sort of thing. Yeah, I'm totally waiting to see like Han Solo on a on a fucking tauntaun, you know, like rolling by at some point. Uh, so it, it's it is pretty interesting out there. So without uh, we'll go ahead and kind of kick right off into it. A little bit of uh, kind of discussion about some. Uh, game news coming up that we want to just hit on. Uh, the Division for, uh, beta is coming out here very, very soon. I think, and is it next weekend that it hits? It's this weekend. Or this week? Yeah, this weekend. So the Division beta, it's a, it's a much uh, much ballyhooed game coming out, kind of an open world, small team uh, environment. It, I've I've really tried to figure out a good analogy for other games that appear to fit the mold for uh, for the Division. I've not really been successful. Uh, the best I've been able to ascertain is it is at least billed as a Skyrim-esque kind of open world inside of a you know like New York City urban metropolitan area with a lot of uh, team components and RPGs components. Uh, so, and, and I think you end up building a base and you're developing some social structures in the game, like almost like a clan, so to speak. So. We'll be it will be interested to see how it goes. I am very keenly watching the game. It looks like the kind of gig that you know, kind of game that I would really kind of get into. So um, hopefully, hopefully that goes well, and I'll be kind of waiting to see what kind of news we get from the beta. 
Uh, curious, any of you guys? I know Pokey. I know you've been interested in the division. How about you, other guys? I saw some footage um, from it on Reddit. Um, it was I forget if it was from the alpha or if it was something else. Um, I didn't really pay attention to the uh, title, but the the gameplay that I saw looked pretty good. Your dude was like storming some kind of stronghold or something. It's pretty cool. Yeah. How about you, Zell? You, have you checked it out? Nope. Ooh, no interest. Just haven't really. It hasn't struck me. I don't know. Hey, Ubisoft okay. is making that game, right? Yeah, it's a newbie game. Yep. <laughs> wow, it's yeah, is what it is at that point. So, <laughs> but but at this point, yeah, like I I joke about like uh, we have a guy that uh, we deal with on the show or in our Skype channel is called Cat Merc. Really, really good dude. Very, very solid guy. Uh, very knowledgeable. Um, and and he hates Ubisoft with a passion. I can't really defend them very much uh, over time, but the reality is they're probably no better or worse than most um you know large-scale development houses you know they're so not as horrible as it Google, is. okay it's fair <laughs> okay <laughs> i'll give you that um let's see for other gamey game news uh world of tanks is live on the ps4 you know which i've touted many times and i am enjoying the hell out of that game having a, an absolute blast at it uh on that note i did get a a a uh, quick quick jab from our buddy Saberwing over at Wargaming, Wargaming.net. And he might be able to uh, come on the show here in another week or two, but they've been absolutely smashed based on the release of, uh, you know, the PS4 stuff coming out. He's been pretty busy. So uh, at some point in the future, we'd like to get Frame back on and we'll talk to him a little bit about, you know, kind of how the intro and the rollout, you know, no pun intended for, uh, you know, the free-to-play world tanks went on uh, PS4. And then, Maybe some of the things down the road uh, that they're talking about on the uh, the roadmap for the game. See what see what they have going on. Reportedly, they're looking. They're one of their big priorities is to bring in the uh, the clan, the baking in the clan system, and the like. They ha- they have kind of a global warfare sort of uh, persistent conflict style uh, activity that goes on in the PC world uh, in the you know PC computer gaming world uh, that they're looking to export into the. Uh, into the consoles, which I think would be pretty bomber if they ended up doing that. Uh, let's see. Any other drive-by gaming news from the team? Zell, Pokey, Bait? Uh, this weekend, the VRLA, which is a virtual reality convention, was running. Um, a lot of stuff. I won't go into it, but you should check out their Facebook or their Twitter. They've posted a ton of stuff of various companies showing off uh, VR-related game and technology. So it's, it's really cool stuff. Take a look at it. Cool, cool. Hey, is is anything? Has there been anything other than Valkyrie like hard announced for like Oculus? Um, I don't know if I haven't been tracking games that are specifically made for Oculus, but I know that a lot of games will support it in right, varying like degrees. Elite so. Dangerous does. I think Star Citizen said they will, but I don't think it's working right now. But you know that sort of thing. Man, Star Citizen claimed they were going to make me waffles this morning. <laughs> It they you'll get them. They'll just actually be in like 2019 or something. Yeah, one day Is we're going to do. An, we're, we're literally going to have to do an episode on Jeez. on, on uh, Star Citizen. Star Citizen says you can make a drinking game. Well, I mean, I, I think it, at one point Oculus support was working, and and it, at some point it broke, and they haven't fixed it yet, or something like that. It's it's Star Citizen has been played on the Oculus Rift, I believe. Okay, all right, that sounds like a plan. Uh, let's see. In transitioning off into, I'm still not paying six hundred dollars for one. Totally understand that. 
Um, let's see, Bait, Zell, any any other drive-by game news? Um, been hearing some good stuff about um, a game called, uh, I think it's called Don't Stop Talking and Nobody Dies, um, supported uh, from the Oculus. Come again? What? I want to say it's called Don't Stop and Nobody Dies. It's um, the gist of it is, is you're wearing an Oculus headset, and on your screen you can see a bomb. There's a bomb in front of you, and you're uh, defusing. Your goal is to defuse the bomb, and you have like five minutes or something. Well, then you have another person, a partner, with the with a a bomb defusal guide, and so you open up uh, the bomb, and you look for like say red wire, and you say, "Hey, I'm looking at a red wire." Then the person with the book flips to the section about red wires and and tells you what to do. You know, it may be to cut the wire or to wait till the timer gets to whatever and then cut it and then so forth and so on. And then um, until eventually you either defuse the bomb or it blows up. Fun little party game. This would only be interesting to me if the Oculus Rift would give some sort of like, <laughs> you know, mild to moderate electric shock directly to your eyeballs <laughs> if you failed. They're actually working on stuff like that. I know there's a, a vest that they're developing you can wear, and it has airbags in the vest that will inflate rapidly, so it, it hits you. And they're they're hooking it up to like a, a first person shooter. So the guy got shot in the arm, and this thing started. You know, it, he then, felt the impact in his arm. Shortly, shortly thereafter, your VR systems will actually be able to kill you. <laughs> I was, I think if I you die in the, the game, you die in real life. Somebody's going to use that as many, a torture device. How many sci-fi franchises have had that line in it? How many freaking animes have that? It's been a trope hey, lately. <laughs> if if it's if at some point we can have Tron in real life and then I can throw a whammo frisbee as hard as I can at somebody's face and then make them squeal, I will be happy. <laughs> Cross and I did it. It just didn't hurt when he got hit. Oh, no, but I want it to hurt. I want you to feel okay. like the agony right. and the pain when I, like, smash that shit on you. Um, okay. Um, let's see. As, as we bound on to our next topic, I did uh, – we'll kind of segue in nicely. A little bit of – transition into some tv news and then we'll get into a little bit of movie news uh so tv stuff uh as we, we literally just did a, a quick hash of this right before we got on the uh, show tonight but legends of tomorrow is out on uh i think you said google google view google Plus. Um, well it's you know it's the cw and whatever your streaming client is but they do have the pilot is available free on google play this week so yeah and you have no the, excuse the pre- not to the, try watching the, it the uh, the initial reports coming out says it's it's actually quite good it's uh, it's pretty solid and they've got a really good cast too if you actually look into it a little bit it's pretty solid DC has done a a very very re- a very solid legitimate job of putting together a, uh, a nice little TV universe going on right now uh, so I mean it is yeah I mean the the important note would be that um, it is fairly lore heavy in terms of all of the back characters which were all introduced on arrow and flash so if you now, want to watch them you should too. probably it... watch those first i've told people the only excuse for not watching it is i'm still working on catching up on flash and arrow that's legitimate otherwise you should watch it yeah and i will say this the um you know the, the cool thing about the way they've done the dc stuff you know like the flash and arrow specifically and, and i i believe this uh, and to a degree, Supergirl, a little bit. Uh, they've, they're actually very comic booky. They're actually mu- much more into the comic book, whereas like previous iterations of a lot of these kind of shows would be 
sort of like 90210 with, you know, in spandex kind of thing, or it just, it wouldn't feel like it was anything you could relate to from the comic book other than some shared titles or some little nuggets here and there. Uh, but these are, these are quite good. Interestingly enough, actually on this point, uh, Kevin Smith, uh, he mentioned that there had, that there had been some discussions about, you know, as they're continuing to develop kind of what the DC cinematic universe looks like, how would they tie in the, the TV one? Because there'd been some level of, of aggravation in the, uh, you know, I think Grant Gustin is the name of the guy who plays the flash, like on the TV series. And, and he is very good by the way. Like he's, He's really good. Uh, he does an excellent job acting. Like he sells it. You know, I I, I believe he's, he's he's a good Barry Allen, so to speak. Uh, and there, and the guy I can I, I cannot remember the guy that they announced to play the Flash, or at least to get the Flash cameo in, in the Batman Superman movie. I think it's like Ezra Miller or something like. That. But apparently, yes. he is like horrendous. <laughs> he's like nobody likes this guy. Like he doesn't look good. Doesn't sound like just nobody thought this was a good option. And uh, there's been a lot of clamor for Grant Gustin to play him on uh, in the movie, uh, which then would open up things like, you know, the green arrow down the line, having a, a you know, a guest shot on you, know, like Stephen Amell, that kind of stuff, which again, I think would probably be pretty solid, but uh, th- they've been very hesitant to do that. They, they really didn't want to commit. And at one point they even kind of said, no, they weren't going to do that. Kevin Smith apparently uh, noted to the studio heads and to the folks that, uh, at the DC universe. Cause he is part of the, apparently part of the group that is crafting a lot of this from a creative standpoint that one of the things DC, you know, one of its big hallmarks in its comic book, you know, sort of uh, universe is the fact that it sells the multiverse very well, uh, like multiple different universes, you know, like parallel timelines and all this kind of jazz. And you actually see some of that in the flash, you know, uh, on fair occasion. So he kind of posited to them that you could actually have, the TV flash and the movie flash meet each other for, as an example, and it would make perfect sense to, to most people in the, that read DC comics, just because of the way they've set the comic book universe up there. Uh, so interesting, uh, interesting little biplane no, note on that one. Uh, I don't know what I think about that in the future, if they would really want to do that, but you never know. Might, might be kind of a cool thing down the line. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of like, I almost want to say that I think it's it may be a better approach to keep TV and movie separate for them, just because I I do think at some points Mar- the Marvel TV series have been hampered a bit by uh, by the movies actually. Ah, uh, well, I I could see that from Agents of Shield, but I would say Jessica Jones and Daredevil not at all, even well, though sure. they are I mean, very clearly very in the same detached. universe. They're very detached, though. They, I mean, Daredevil they mention. They mention the Avengers as in, like, you know, I, I'm trying to remember what they called it. They called it, like, the incident or something like that. It's just, you know, it was a casual one-line mention in the series, but otherwise it wasn't really interconnected. And the problem is is that, like, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they've had points where the whole show seemed like it was kind of treading water because they were waiting for a movie to come out. And they have a lot of restrictions on what they can do because it has to tie into the movie franchise. So they're they're very um, they're very tied into this whole thing, and there's there's a lot of cases where you know whoever's making the movie or TV show can't do whatever they want to do with the show because of you know this this bigger universe you're creating, um, and I I can see the benefits of not having that all the time as a as a down as a thing. I mean, as it is, they have challenges with that even when they're not connected. Um, for example, the the uh, um, TV show people aren't allowed to mention Superman in. Um, 
Arrow or or Flash or Batman. Batman's usually the really big one that they're they're iffy on people talking about or, or tying to because you know it's such a such a big movie franchise for them, um, and they don't like to I don't know dilute it or or something, um, and that sort of thing is it, it hurts. And I I think that there's a good cause to let the guys who are creating Arrow and Flash and Legends tomorrow they're actually creating Supergirl too, but they don't know if they're going to be tying them together yet or not because. Um, they're on different networks, technically. Um, but let them do their thing. Yeah. No, I, I could, I, like, trust me, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, that's that was sort of my start point. Um, I will say this, though. Like, I think Marvel learned a lot about, like, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, because that one is so interwoven into the movie storyline with all, you know, like, shared character and all that kind of good jazz. That one was really hard. I think that one was much harder. I think the way they've done, like, Agent Carter... Jessica Jones and Daredevil, those three ha- have been really, really solid. They're, they're pretty good in the way that they're clearly in the universe, but they're not like dependent on the universe. I could kind of see that. I, I kind of, I actually kind of like it. I think it's pretty cool. I think the other thing to be, to be very honest with you, uh, you know, I, part of it is DC is really like hitting home runs with like casting the look, the feel, the storylines, and kind of you know, building some of these characters. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to to do as well with with a lot of these kind of characters in the big screen because you know you're going to have like Henry Cavill and you know Batfleck, you know, just chomping scenery. So you're, it would be hard to get somebody like Stephen Amell or Grant Gustin in there, you know, with any. Yeah, you know, and make it worthwhile, and and they're doing oh. great. They're doing outstanding. So you would want to actually capitalize on on some of the you know the cachet they bring to it. I mean, I think it's fairly easy to successfully bring TV actors into a movie franchise. Yeah, no, I'll it's buy just that. it's just you have to, it's nearly impossible to do the other way around to get say Ben Affleck to show up on a TV show for an episode. Oh no, I yeah, I don't, um, I, and I think that's fine. I think that would actually, I think I think people would kind of buy that. Like as long as that there was you know, some, a tacit understanding that there, there had been an interaction, but, and I could totally see that would be a really cool interaction. Um, you, you know, if you had a couple of the stars of the DC TV series, like, like it, you know, joining in a fight scene or whatever in, in a DC movie, that would be pretty cool. I, I do I mean, think that, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, cause like the thing that was disappointing to me, um, with Avengers two actually was that they had, um, a really good opportunity that they kind of blew um, because the, you know, kind of the shield tie in was that uh, effectively that uh, the shield team had actually acquired and stashed the uh, helicarrier used in Avengers two. And so when they pull that out, they just kind of casually mentioned, I got it some from some friends and they actually had like a random extra operating the helicarrier on the bridge who looked a lot like a character from shield. But the question oh, yeah, was, yeah, they, they definitely could have hooked that. Why up. you didn't like, you didn't even have to say his name, but you could have put the actual character from Shield on the deck of the thing. You know, um, he's not an expensive actor to hire for for a cameo, and it it just it feels like when they have those tie-ins, a lot of times they just don't take them where you want them to. Whereas, um, you know, working entirely in TV like Flash and Arrow have done, you you literally just see Arrow and Flash show up for a team up, you know, once in a while, and that's the sort of thing that traditionally just doesn't get done in TV and movies to have, you know, two, two of the, the leading characters from shows or movies or whatever, um, teaming up in a, in a franchise. 
No, I think that'd be, I think that's pretty legit. I, I mean, the, the best example, the, the really the two best examples they've got right now, are really it's, uh, you know, Grant Gustin and Stephen Mel, you know, flash and green arrow, uh, you, you know, so to speak that, and they would tie in very nicely. The green arrow could be a good one off cause he's not really been talked about for the DC one. The only one that's kind of the out there is like I said, the, the proposed flash for the movie universe and the, the TV flash, if there was, I mean, Grant Gustin's not big enough of an actor that he, you couldn't probably sign him to a deal here or there. Uh, but it, like the, they, they have, I, I guess that's the thing is like, it's kind of like you're, you're blowing some, you know, some resources because they're really good. They've got a big following. It would, it seems like it'd be a good inject into the movie. Uh, but that's just me anyway. So some interesting uh, kind of news there and legends tomorrow does look, look pretty solid looks kind of cool um yeah i mean i i think it kind of suffers a little bit from that pilot episode syndrome that's kind of common with comic book movies there's a lot of content that they have to really shove through in the first 45 minutes of the show um but uh i i think that they have a good start to it and i think once we kind of get into the meat of it it'll be pretty good yeah no i uh i i have not seen any of the supergirl stuff um but I, I right. saw like a, I saw a little, a little bit of it on YouTube. I guess they've like full blown introduced Martian Manhunter, which is yeah. somebody I've been interested to see how they would bring to life in like a movie for a long time. Yeah, he's um he's a he's a star main main character in, in Supergirl, so he's in basically every episode. That's he pretty cool. He doesn't usually look like him, but you know. Oh yeah, he doesn't in the comic either, but that's cool. Okay, well, um, I think that kind of wrapped up a couple really cool, uh, cool little. TV and movie tidbits here and there. And I've got one more before we bridge on. So on the 12th of February, I want everybody to go ahead and set your clocks and your wallets and your watches on this one. That is the, uh, there's officially Deadpool day. And if you haven't like opened up the interwebs lately, I'm shocked to believe that you haven't seen some picture of Deadpool somewhere, uh, trying to sell seats for a, uh, for a theater. So they, they have got a really spiffy, uh, kind of, viral marketing campaign going on for the Deadpool movie. And, uh, I am very much looking forward to it. The, uh, the, the advanced, the advanced shows of it, uh, kind of the, uh, the ones where they screen it with the critics and stuff like the, the word coming out of that so far is that it, it is, it, it is quite good. It's very, very entertaining. And with the caveat that this is not the superhero movie that you think it is. <laughs> Yep, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a, a good Valentine's Day. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So from this point on, as I noted earlier in the show, we're going to be throwing out the here be spoilers uh, kind of discussion. So let me set the stage for you very, very briefly, and then uh, we'll kind of open it up a little bit more free form on this one. Uh, Zell had a really good idea that we should, you know, we should go like full blown, full Monty on uh, kind of Star Wars Force Awakens. We have a lot of Let's be real. If you're listening to this podcast or you're even on this podcast, you're a bit of a nerd. That's doesn't really matter what your bench press is. You're kind of a nerd if you're listening to this. So we kind of wanted to, to go into like a full tinfoil spoilers, you know, discussion about Star Wars and it's ample time has gone by. So we feel pretty good about no spoilers. We but if you haven't this, seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, turn feel off free. the episode now. So Come back, listen later. We... We did want to give it some time, and uh, we had tried to schedule a, a time or two to do this as a separate episode, and it just never worked out. So it, we just wanted to go ahead and knock it out and, and kind of have the discussion whilst 
we had our normal time block on. So this is basically the Star Wars tinfoil slash uh, spoiler episode where we get to have a good chat about like what we thought about the movie and maybe what we what we think the uh, episode eight and nine portend perhaps. So on that note, that's kind of where we're at, and uh, we will go ahead and get started. So Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Fast forward. I, I think it's the exact same amount of time that was from this from Star Wars. Return of the Jedi until now is what basically has passed. Uh, so quite a while, a couple decades. And you've, you have a lot of things in the universe is, is kind of kept going. They have the classic star Wars crawl kind of get setting the stage for you very cleanly. I might add, basically the empire is no more. They've sort of retracted back into, you know, parts of the space they still control. And they now refer to themselves as the first order. There is the, the new Republic uh, and this is the part that was not entirely clear in the movie. There is, in fact, the New Republic. Uh, but then there ha- there's this thing called the Resistance. And it's not very clear on how this works out. But apparently, it's you've got the New Republic that has some portion of the galaxy. And you've got the First Order that has some portion of the galaxy. And while the New Republic isn't directly at war with the First Order, the Resistance is sort of still fighting them. So I'm not entirely clear on how the political thing works out. But... Just kind of roll with it. Uh, fast forward, you've got a planet called Jakku that looks strikingly like Tatooine, uh, where we are introduced into, in, into several characters in short order in different scenes and venues uh, that start the adventure, basically. And you meet a lot of new people that you haven't met before, uh, some of which you can obviously guess that will have ties back into classic Star Wars figures. And then you do reintroduce incrementally as the movie goes on, you get reintroduced to like Han, you get reintroduced to Han, Chewie, uh, Leia, R2-D2, eventually C-3PO, and then eventually Luke and, you know, so forth and so on. So with a completely non-speaking part to be clear. Yeah. For Luke. Yes. So it it is, I, I I will not go through the entire plot of the movie. Suffice it to say uh, it was a very, if you watch the first movie, the first star Wars movie, which, I assume we all have, then you already know the plot of this one. Uh-huh. That's pretty fair. And it is done in very much the J.J. Abrams style, uh, which I actually thought was worked quite well for this, uh, with a few noticeable tweaks here and there. So without further ado, what we'll do very briefly, I think, is general thoughts on the movie. What'd you like? What'd you not like? And then we can like dive into some of the specifics of it. So with Zell, we're going to start with you because this was, this was your idea. It was a really solid idea for a show. So take it away what what did you think about it and what do you think good or bad i enjoyed it i i would say i enjoyed it more than most star wars movies um if anyone knows me i'm not a fan of star wars i'm a trekkie um but i enjoyed it i had i had a lot of fun with it um i did end up seeing it twice um because i had gotten a free ticket from my insurance company and then someone invited me to go even earlier with another free ticket so i saw it twice didn't pay anything um and i enjoyed it so all in all i uh, well worth um but uh, I, I feel like they could have, um, I think they hung too far on the nostalgia angle. I think they were too worried about offending people by making something that didn't feel Star Wars-y enough, um, like the, you know, the, the last, the previous trilogy. And so they decided to just go like full throttle the original trilogy, channel it. Um, and there were some scenes that I thought that they probably was okay because they benefited from the, the nostalgia angle and kind of the, the tie-in. But there were some times that I just, I felt like it was 
they could have tried something a little more original here and there than they did. Okay. All right. I think that's fair. Um, Bait, what do you think, man? It, it was pretty good. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, um, I didn't dislike it, but I didn't love it. Um, Zell basically said exactly what I was going to say. It felt like um, episode four, and I felt that it was a lot like episode four, if not almost the exact same thing. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Okie dokie. Pokey. See, I actually liked the fact that it paralleled 4 so so closely. I think that it's been so long, and they kind of strove to have it be an entry point for people that are, you know, very young or new to the series and whatnot, and I think they really nailed that. And, you know, I, I certainly felt the nostalgia, and I, I appreciated it, because, I mean, it was pretty fun being there. I was there on Thursday night, you know, before the actual release day, seeing it. And, you know, when... You know, like Han Solo comes out of the screen, and everyone freaks out and started clapping. That was that was really fun. You know, it was enjoyable to kind of have that. You know, <laughs> freaking out like it's been so many years. Oh my god! You know, so that that was really cool. And I'm I'm fine with them paralleling paralleling uh, Episode Four so closely because I think they've also set it up uh, fairly well for kind of diverging the story from this point forward and actually making you know, uh, eight and nine be their own separate entity, but they've still created this strong tie to the original and proven that, Hey, we are not doing episode one through three. This is star Wars, not whatever that was. So I, I think overall it was a fantastic film. I, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the series and no Darth Jar Jar yet. <laughs> yeah. So far. Yeah. Um, I would say generally I was very, very pleased with the movie. I got pretty much everything out of it that I wanted to, which was um, a lot of the, you know, bring back what made the, the old, you know, the original star Wars good, you know, like it did follow kind of a very standard sort of hero's journey kind of thing, but that's ultimately, that's really what star Wars is. You know, in the end it is, I mean, it is taught in actual collegiate literature school, you know, literature courses about, you know, the classic hero's journey uh, model. It's a storytelling model that's been around for a very long time. Uh, And all the memes are clearly within the original Star Wars. So they kind of brought that back. But the way they did it, I thought was really good. Uh, They did parallel, uh, again, a lot of episode four. I think a a little bit unnecessarily so. Uh, Like the the parts that I thought were a little, little too much was like, why does Jakku have to be a clone of Tatooine? Basically, that that was part of it. It could have been almost at any other planet, uh, and they could have made it look a little bit different. I think it would have been pre. I think that I think that would have been fine. Uh, but they did introduce enough change in there uh, that I thought was good. I like the new characters they've introduced. I thought that was really good. Um, strong female lead with Ray. I thought that was really good. I thought Finn and Poe had great chemistry. That. They were only on screen together like two or three times, you know, and, but it was really good. Uh, Oscar Isaac, excellent as Poe. He was originally going to be killed off like in that in that first scene. He w- he wasn't actually going to – he was not going to make it out of the TIE fighter uh, crash. And then they – apparently they liked him so much that they – that's when they added him back because they were like – they could have got anybody to be the, you know, random X-wing ace TIE fighter guy or X-wing fighter, uh, you know, ace in the end sequence, they could have gotten anybody to do that, but they, they liked him so much from the work that he did in the, you know, the first half of the movie, they wanted to keep him around and keep, keep the character alive for future episodes. So I thought that was cool. Um, I will say this, 
I think that Kylo Ren, a.k.a. Ben Solo, for those of you that don't know, um, I thought that the way he played that was what I would have wished that Hayden Christensen could have done with Anakin Skywalker, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. I think he really nailed that character. I, I found him a lot more believable as a tormented soul rather than just a kid whining about how tough his life is. Yep, yep. Uh, I think that's that's pretty accurate. Um, you know the you know and the, you know, big spoiler here. So when he when Ben Solo kills Han Solo, that's really the you know the shocker slash non shocker of the movie. I think a lot of people kind of figured that was going to happen. Um, that whole scene was done masterfully. I, it was you kind of obviously knew it was going to go down, but it was really good. Like Harrison Ford was clearly not like phoning that one in. He was all in. Adam Adam Driver did really really well. Uh, and the way they did it was, it, it was pretty good. A lot of emotion. It, it was actually pretty good. I was very, I was very sold on it. Yeah. I think, uh, Abrams actually commented on that scene and said that, uh, when Han Solo gets stabbed and, and starts to fall off the platform and, and reaches out and touches Kylo Ren's face, uh, Abrams said, I, I kind of forgot for a second that they weren't actually father and son because it was so touching, you know, how that scene played out. So I, I think that they absolutely nailed the acting in that, in that part. Yeah, I would say, you know, just on a quick note on that, generally, um, every, there, was, there was no, like, poor acting in the movie. Everything was done really well. Like, you can, you can debate whether it was done simply or, like, it was too stock, you know, or cut and paste from the episode four, but it was all done really I will well. Con- I will argue. Yeah. I will argue. Um, I had a very, very hard time buying Finn's portrayal John Boyega's portrayal of his character having been raised entirely as a stormtrooper. Okay, all right, I can kind of buy that. He he seemed almost goofy at times mm-hmm. in in that regard. Um it, and I I think it possibly massively undersold what it's like to be indoctrinated since birth. Well, he, okay, I'll buy that totally. Um with with the I'll say it's, this is one of these classic moments where I'll say yes, and he's also the kind of guy that would clearly not fit in there. So that's one of the reasons why he's like breaking a guy out of jail and trying to escape. I feel like they tried to make that character um, goofy and to you know to have some um, comedic value. I guess is the is the phrasing I'm looking for, and I I don't think it worked. Um, when, whenever really he see, tried to, I didn't see goofy though. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Quir- quirky then, quirky then maybe. Um, but whenever he tried to, you know, deliver a joke and I say try, um, and then it came to the, the punchline or whatever, it, it, it didn't really sit well with, with me at least. I didn't think that, uh, that was, um, done very well. Could have used, you know, fucking C3PO to, give everybody a laugh. I think it worked in some cases and not so much in others. Like the interaction he has in the Millennium Falcon with BB-8 and BB-8 gives him the thumbs up, bro. Like I, I lost my shit. That part was hilarious. But then... Oh. The, the, but the, that was got, funny because of yeah, BB-8. Yeah, not because because of BB-8. Well, yeah, but his acting wasn't, wasn't bad at that point. But like when they capture... Uh, what's her name, Yzma, the, the silver stormtrooper, I forget her name, and he kind of gets in her face and is like, I'm in charge, I'm in charge. That was, I, I kind of cringed a little bit on that one. That was kind mm-hmm. of a, a bad a bad one. But, but I mean, you know, it's, I, just I, some of the earlier, like, 
yeah, I'm totally with resistance because you know that's just like this is how we look, and and this just it it I don't think it played well. I think they could have done it better. Um, just and, I I mean I I don't and I don't blame the actor for that. I think it was I think it was probably a weak writing moment for for the writers on that one. And some of the stuff that he did was just like awkward. I don't know if it's because he's a, an awkward actor. He didn't really come across that way. Or if it was awkward uh, writing, like right there in the beginning when they're uh, they're on Jakku and they're slaughtering the village or whatever it was. And he's just sitting there after uh, Kylo Ren holds those uh, those blaster rounds in the air. And he's standing there and he's just staring at him as he's walking back to the ship or whatever. It just, uh, I don't know. You, it, I kind of bought that because, I mean, what you just... I don't know. I mean, that, fucked up. Maybe there's like, there's nothing fun. There was nothing funny about that. He was literally like, no, but holy uh, no, shit! When, when you know, it just I I don't know. It, I I I guess I get. I guess I just didn't see. Well, at least in that one instance, I didn't quite see what you were. Yeah, I, going I, for. I, I'm gonna, maybe I'm it's gonna, just weird to see. I'm gonna go I with Jay know. there. I mean, that's um, I, like my my understanding with lack of ability to actually have. A, Say I've experienced it, but I mean, watching something like that, the, the kind of shock will, will uh, yeah, they just kind of be like not really there all the way. Yeah, I guess. Well, well, let me put it this way: like from from a dude that's been around a, a lot of you know young kids that got into like a military environment, like at one point or another, you're always going to have these one or two dudes in the group somewhere that clearly don't fit in, but they can't. There's nowhere for them to go but there, and. They kind of act like Finn, <laughs> like I mean, okay. in, in all seriousness, that's kind of how they are. <laughs> but uh, it, it, so any, I, but I do see your point though. There, what I attributed a lot of that to was supplying dialogue and language in, in the movie that was much, much more relatable in, for today's generation. Like you know, like my my seven year old up to you know, teenagers or young college students now who have, who were not even remotely in the DNA pool, you know, when the original star Wars movie came out, much less even some of the the later ones. Um, Like I, I thought that was simply a way of modernizing some of the interactions. Now to your credit, to your point though, some of them were a little, little bit, a little bit, you know, sticky, but generally I thought they were okay. I will say this. I thought that, um, I thought Finn and Ray's dialogue at times were, was kind of forced. And I, I thought it was a little cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. I thought that Finn and Poe, when they were together, that it, it flowed a lot better, and it it seemed like it, that was pretty good. Yeah, I'll have to agree with that. I think the the relationship between Ray and Finn felt uh, I don't know. It, it felt a little rushed. Like they developed this deep, meaningful relationship really fast. Like it it, it felt unnatural, and in the dialogue just as it progressed through that relationship felt very awkward, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was kind of movie fast, but, uh, so generally just everybody's tracking, like Ray is the, the mysterious Mary Sue that we have, uh, in the movie. And then you've got Finn, who is basically an escape. She's totally, she's totally Luke's daughter. I mean, come on. I'm not buying that. I'm, I think it's Kenobi. I think it's related to Kenobi, not Luke. I can buy either of those. I think they. Well, here I think. Well, here's the here's the thing. Like the Luke deal, like that one. It's too obvious. Two. That's such a ginormous plot hole uh, that they would have to figure out how to fill. 
Also, who's the mother? But, well, that's what I figured was that they, you know, they have a character that they want to introduce as as the mother, and they in the next movie or something like that. I don't want to ruin it ahead of that. They didn't have a way to explain it in this movie, so they just kind of didn't say. But I mean, the one thing I do know for sure is that um, Han knew who she was ahead of time mm. because if you if you notice in the cantina scene, she, um, uh, Maz asks him who's the girl and the camera cuts away really quick. And I think that that was kind of an indicator that um, he knows who she is and that Maz probably now knows too. I'm, I, I, I wasn't tracking. I, I didn't, I didn't get that at all. Um, I was, I actually think it's more Kenobi because what was, what is interesting. And in, if you listen, you know, like, and they've kind of like, so just so everybody's tracking, uh, Ray is clearly the, uh, kind of the, the, the major protagonist of the story. She's left on Jakku and n- doesn't really know who her parents are, just knows that she's been fending for herself kind of uh, in the, on this planet for a long time. So craziness ensues. She gets mixed up with Finn, escape stormtrooper or defecting stormtrooper rather. Um, and they make their way eventually out into space where they have a, an encounter with Han Solo because they escaped on the Falcon he finds that he finds the Falcon. He doesn't really find them. He clearly gave no indication of, uh, of who she was for a long time. And even they, even though I, I don't think he knew who she was. I, I absolutely don't think that. Um, I don't buy that. It because I've heard different theories that she was like Han's daughter from a different person other than Leia after they split. I don't think that's, that's the thing. Luke's daughter is like kind of the obvious one, but I, I, I don't think so. Not after, one, one, it is too obvious, but two, in in a cantina scene, because there's going to be a cantina sequence because it's Star Wars, she she basically gets a hold of Luke's original lightsaber, which was Anakin's original lightsaber. Maz Kanata, who's the, she's like this Yoda-esque figure, not the same alien race, but this kind of Yoda-esque figure. Um, it's in her, her place. Um, she actually gets a hold of lightsaber. Now, how they got the lightsaber has got to be a, an interesting backstory. And in, in fact, the character Kanata, she's like, how'd you get to, she's like, it's a little very long. They say, that's a different story. Or that's a very long story or something like that. She hands, she, I don't remember if she hands the lightsaber to Ray or Ray just grabbed it or touched it. And she, she had found like, it. Yeah. She found and it. She, and, she, and she had an absolute, like an absolute, um, like a vision kind of thing. She was back in the Dagobah uh, dark side area. She, there's a lot of voices, not you know, not the least of which was Ben Kenobi, which was both young and old Ben Kenobi. Uh, it was the original Alec Guinness voice in it, and it was uh, uh, God, what's his name? Help me out. One of the only bright spots of the original of the the three you, prequels. You and McGregor. You, you and McGregor. He came back and actually voiced over that one line in there. So it is something like this is your you know the first steps of your journey, Ray, or something like that. But you had Kenobi all over that. So I think my gut tells me that she may be somehow related to, you know, to Ben Kenobi. That's what I think. See, I, the thing that I wondered was though, is if it is, um, the lightsaber has some sort of, has been generally had some sort of kind of connection to the owner, right? Um, yeah, in theory. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're we, developed, we know like, for they a fact craft them as part of their Jedi training. Kylo Ren is related to, um, you know, to, um, Luke, uh, he you know, he's Luke's nephew. And so for Ray to actually overpower him in requesting the lightsaber, to me, is a clear indicator that she's 
that she's got to be family. And possibly mm. more direct of family than, than Kylo Ren. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, and, and I had a lot of questions. The, the one thing I didn't, one of the things I didn't buy about the, well, I'm not going to say I didn't buy it, but she was a lot more, she was a lot better at stuff generally than, than I anticipated her being. Like she could, she could fly anything. She could fix anything. She was fighting pretty good. You know, she can handle herself. You know, she did make a few crazy mistakes. And I mean, she scared, scared to death. She acted it very well. But what got me was like, she had a grasp of the force that happened very, very quickly, much quicker than like Luke did in the first movies. Like she basically got to the point where he was at, at the end of the second movie by the, you know, like halfway through the first movie. <laughs> so, so that's, that was the only part that was a little, that was a little, a little sketchy for me on how that worked. Now, the, a, th- a theory that I've heard was that when he was, when Kylo Ren was trying to like probe her mind and, and like get all the answers for the resistance out, that's, you know, sort of basically reading her mind that whatever he did that, if you go back and watch the watch the show at that point, it's basically like he he like flicked on a switch, uh, and it open it like she was already force sensitive. That's fairly obvious. But whatever he did, it turned everything on, you know, very very quickly. And it's pretty obvious she really doesn't really know kind of what she's doing. Uh, now, uh, the you know the guy that that had the theory. Uh, you know, Nick, Nick Mason, he's another podcaster. I would also I'll give him full due credit on this one. He also noted that a lot of the stuff that you see Kylo Ren doing or how he was, is if you imagine like somebody who didn't complete their training and there's really no Jedi's and there's in like even the myths and legends that were in the first movie are even further removed. He has no idea what he can and can't do. He's just doing stuff out of raw willpower and because and he, he just thinks he can or he doesn't know he can't. Like stopping a blaster bolt in midair, which by the way was pretty pretty wicked. Um, that kind of makes sense, and it also made a lot more. You know that that I bought that at least the way he laid that out. That during that interrogation scene, that he basically like kickstarted her force engine, so to speak. I, so I can kind of buy it a, a little bit. See, I think she actually had partial training when she was very young on the island with Luke, because when he when Kylo Ren's probing her mind, he says, "I see the island." And then, oh, okay. coincidentally, she goes to find Luke, and it's on an island. So I think that she was there to begin with, and both her and Kylo Ren were training with the other uh, you know, young Jedi, and then shit went south, and that's when they sent her away to Jakku to be safe, because, you know, Ren's going psycho and killing everybody. So I think that she had some training at a very young age, and had since forgotten this, and she clearly doesn't remember what happened before she got to Jakku. May that be by design or whatever, but I think that she kind of knew what she was doing to begin with and then when like you said Kylo Ren started kind of messing around in her head something kind of clicked and she you know started remembering stuff or at least had the 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 framework to actually make it happen oh shit is Luke starting another Jedi temple on that island Mm, yeah that's what they I thought I thought that uh, when uh, Han Solo was talking about it that he was trying to train the new generation of Jedi and one kid basically ruined it all and i can only assume that was kylo ren that 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 was bad yeah that that was my impression that he would that he basically started training them and then you know shit went south with kylo ren and then whoever the knights of ren are which i assume were other students that he co-opted maybe i'm guessing that's probably it yeah now yeah this actually brings up an interesting point so there's like another bit there's a big bad in this you know 
Commander Snoke, who is the classic hologram face bad guy. Very similar to how the Emperor was in the original uh, three movies. A uh, lot of speculation on who he is. It's not very clear. Uh, that's a bit we can talk about in a minute. But what I've noticed is that nobody nobody really uses the word Sith and Jedi a lot. Like like was he that big ass bug? No. Um, what what I think you what what it could be setting up for is that it's not it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion that. Uh, Kylo Ren is a Sith or that Commander Snoke is. And you start talking about the Knights of Ren and all this other jazz. And, and you also heard Maz Kanata, who is you know, the little ca- cafe owner. Uh, imagine like somebody's little alien grandma, basically, the, you know, the wise old lady kind of thing. Um, she had a very Yoda-esque or Jedi-esque way of describing. He's like, hey, the Force, it's in around you. It flows through you. She, you know, but she's she at least said she wasn't a Jedi or wasn't whatever. So there's, there's some room to run in terms of who all these people are and sort of how they're affiliated. Just, just as a thought. There's also a deleted scene that I was reading about where, where Maz says, I'm not a Jedi, but there's when the the stormtroopers come and they're trying to, you know, tear down her, her bar. She actually uses the force to collapse the tunnel behind the uh, Ray as they're trying to escape. So she has force powers. It's just, you know, she, as she claims she's not a Jedi, but I think it's safe to assume that there are people that may not fall under those titles, but can certainly do things, you know, with, with their sensitivity. Yeah, no, I, I, I can buy that. Uh, so long story short, like we get the, well, not long story short, but you know, one of the other things that I caught in there is, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but like one thing that the the prequels did pretty well is they took like the whole lightsaber duels to like pretty. That was one of the that's one of the handful of things they did very well in those movies, other than a lot of CGI. Um, but the lightsaber duels in the in the first three movies were kind of rough to work with, you know, because they were still experimenting with the technology, like literally like the movie technology of how they how they show these things and how, how do they want them acted. Um, and there were some different directions, like in the original and the, the original fight between uh, Vader and, and Kenobi, it was kind of two old guys just swinging big things at each other. And they were, they gave a sense of weight or it's like real heavy. And that was sort of what uh, Lucas's original direction to them was, was, Hey, you're old guys. And these things are like incredibly powerful and super heavy. Imagine like a massive steel broadsword when you're swinging it. Whereas, over time, like it, people realize, well, no, it's it's like a beam of light. It's like holding a flashlight, so you can flick it around, do all kind of stuff with it, super super fast. Uh, and then you know the the fight scenes kind of progressed up to pretty good ones. You know, in the in the Return of the Jedi, the the lightsaber slash sword fights, and they were quite good. Um, but they kind of they actually took that to a pretty high level in the prequels. What you see in in the uh, you know, Force Awakens is dramatically different, and it, it kind of makes sense. There's not a bunch of people walking around with lightsabers generally, so that you can practice your technique on. So it looks like my seven-year-old and his friends with their fake lightsabers swinging haymakers at each other left and right. That's what it looks like, because that's kind of what it is. Actually, um, the best part was probably the. Um, the Finn and the Stormtrooper uh, TR-8R, aka Traitor, 
uh, having their little fight there. He has an the, actual uh, name. Cantina. He does. He does have a, a like a canon name. It's like FN two seven 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 or no, something. No, it's like uh, FN two one nine nine with the nickname Nines. There you go. So it, it was uh, that was actually pretty good. The little you know stun stun baton slash lightsaber fight I thought was quite good, uh, but. That was that was about it, you know, and, and everything else was very emotional, very raw. Not a lot of uh, high speed, you know, ninja like agility going on there. That's actually what I liked about Kylo Ren's character, though. I mean, like you mentioned before, he does pretty much everything just out of force of will. It's very brute force, just you know, hack away. And his fighting style is very much the same. He's got the you know the claymore style lightsaber, and he's basically there's no form to it at all. He's basically just hacking everything apart. You know, even in how he swings it, it's it's kind of this big, broad, almost like it's heavy, and he's just you know he has like no clue what he's doing, but he's just so strong it doesn't matter. And I thought that was really kind of cool for his character. By the way, yeah. best best scene in the movie was was actually with those two stormtroopers that you know see hear what's going on in the hallway and just like uh no, we'll go the other way. <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. I, I will admit that. That was that was actually in in the showings I saw that got the biggest laugh. Yeah, I could kind of see that. I, I could I could totally see that. The um, it, it's like so. There's there's a lot of cool little moments in there, but generally the broad stuff I thought was pretty good. I I, I got a question for you. Who do you guys think uh, Commander Snoke is? What do you mean? Like, like his like, in the canon? He is a CGI yeah. model. Uh, there was there was actually there was some criticism there that uh, I read about that they made a whole big point about using practical effects and costumes and everything and they did for a lot of the like minor characters and things but then two of the main characters in the movie were CGI <laughs> I uh I the, the the debate is whether or not the debate but one of the things that's uh people have been kicking around is is Commander Snoke uh uh, was it Darth Plagueis the wise, the the one that uh, the Emperor that Palpatine was talking about when he was kind of bringing Anakin over uh, to the to the dark side? He's like, hey, he was really wise. He could cheat death, this, that, and the other. And you know, he was killed in his sleep, implying heavily that the Emperor killed him in his sleep. And he obviously looks pretty you know, pretty fucked up. Like looks like somebody tried to kill him in his sleep. So there was a there was a thought that perhaps he was the original Emperor's uh, mentor. But I I don't think that fits very well. Uh, besides, I think. The canon is he's like some kind of he looks dramatic his, like his alien species that he's listed as is very dramatically different looking than that. But I don't know. I was just kind of curious. And then there, there was another one where people were trying to compare the wounds on Snoke's head to like the the very brief shot you get of uh, the actor that played Anakin, the older Anakin in the Return of the Jedi. Where it looks like, wow, this must be like, you know, a it, it looks very similar <laughs> to, to him. And I was like, they, people are going too little crazy with this. That's interesting. I I hadn't heard that one about Darth Plagueis. Uh, well, it, I mean, you never know. I mean, the the guy the guy uh, the guy didn't uh, he obviously didn't make an appearance in the show, but he was mentioned heavily, and you know, it, it's implied that he could quote unquote cheat death. So, mm-hmm. kind of you know opens it up. But it is interesting to try to figure out who or or what these guys are. If he's actually like the big bad that's been pulling the strings for most of the movies, or perhaps something else entirely. It also kind of opened up an interesting thing um, where was it Kylo Ren was messing with uh, the little first order officer, commander Hux. When he's like, why don't you just get a clone army? It'll, you know, this will work better. 
Yeah, that was kind of weird, though, that there was that differentiation. Like, why did they, you know, obviously at some point they shifted away from clones. I'm not sure when that happened. Was that it was before? So they, it was so they could ca- cast a black actor as a stormtrooper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> possibly. That's entirely possible. In the, in the canon, basically, after the, after the Clone Wars, there is a, there is actually a clone uprising uh, where a lot of the, where some of the clones, and the people in Camino, like the water planet, they kind of rebelled and uh, they kind of put that down. So for a long time, like they had only clones. And then after that, they turned off the cloning. You know, said, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. And a lot of them stayed in the, you know, or just died off. You know, they got killed, they died off or some of the batches, like they aged faster than others. A few of them did. Uh, and so by the time, I think the way it works is by the time of the new, of a new hope, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the stormtroopers are actually human at that point, you know, and then the the clones that are left are usually like kind of the grizzled veterans here and there. And then they kind of like slowly, you know, kind of just matriculate out of the system, either through death or whatever. They don't, they don't really, really tire, you know, they just continue to, to serve or whatever. So it's, uh, I think that, I think that's my understanding anyway, is that they've kind of slowly drifted that way. Well, actually, in a fair amount of the clone troopers, um, because they weren't. Now, this is going to. This is where you get into like actual like you, the expanded universe that survived contact with J.J. Abrams. Basically, um, the clones themselves are not. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sterilized. So, the, a, several of them actually found their way to uh, Mandalore, like Boba Fett's actual homeworld. They were like rescued by some of their uh, like so Boba Fett or correction Jango Fett actually brought in some of the Mandalorian uh, commandos to help train the clones originally, and then as things started going haywire with every with Order sixty six and shit going sideways left and right, a lot of purges going on here and there. Uh, the the Mandalorians, the human Mandalorians, they would uh, try to take some of the the clones with them to like their home planet basically and save some. So there's a fair amount of at least that genetic bloodline of Django slash Boba Fett still, still out there somewhere. Yeah. And they did bring them back to Mandalore. If I remember correctly, um, there's a, there's a series on it. Um, but I think they died off because they weren't, uh, able to turn off the accelerated aging. So, yeah. Some of that, them did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like there, some of them did, but they could have kids and there was, uh, and, and I can't remember what, uh, what, what the guy. There was one guy in particular. He's like the head trainer. He, uh, to be the, clear, the trainer this is all that. Back. This is all that non-canon stuff that got. No, actually, like, a lot of no, actually a lot of this is is still in it's there. Still canon, yeah, yeah. Like, so, well, this stuff is because it's part of the uh, what you call it. Uh, what's that cartoon? The uh, um, not Star Wars Rebels. It's the the other one, the Clone, the Wars, Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. believe it or not, that's what I find interesting is the two things that actually survived, you know, two of the things that actually survived J.J. Abrams' Order 66.5, a.k.a. the slang of the expanded universe, was the, the two fucking Disney cartoon shows. I mean, they kind of had to. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's if, you, if you think about it, that's, I mean, they're kind of going back to what Star Trek sets as the canon bar is seen on screen. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. All right, Zell. Any anything else that you want to do? Any deep dives on on with the uh, the infamous Star Wars uh, Force Awakens? Stop making Death Stars. 
Clearly, it's not working <laughs> yeah, for your battle strategy. Made me laugh, dude. The fucking bolt of plasma that could rip through planets that traveled at fucking like light speed or whatever that was to get to the thing it was laughable. Well, that wasn't actually the original was plan of how it was supposed to work. What was the original plan? Well, it's called Star Killer Base, and coincidentally, it actually killed stars. It would fire basically antimatter at a distant star and cause it to go supernova and then wipe out the system, which makes a lot more sense instead of a, a laser that can somehow split into five separate beams at <laughs> the across likes, the universe. J.J. Abrams <laughs> likes doing that whole, like, he needs a lens stars flare. He had a lens flare somewhere in a laser gave it to him and he couldn't do it with any matter. So, I mean, that's, that's why, but you know, the original actually made sense because it was literally killed stars and star killer base rather than eating suns. And which also doesn't make any sense. I'm not really sure. It kills stars though. I mean, it does kill stars. but how do you consume a sun and move a planet to a different system to eat a different sun? Well, yeah, no, they, that, that was one of those they didn't explain is clearly this thing had to go somewhere between shot thrusters. I assume. <laughs> it's, it's a planet. planet. <laughs> but it has, dude, it, it, it's a planet that has like a fucking laser beam in the middle. The thing has thrusters somewhere. Well, how, yeah, long, that, like, how long do you think it would take to get from star to star, dude? They fired the that thing through. twice within a two-hour movie. Well, I mean, it's it's not like, well, hmm. I don't know. I will, I will not to, win this I will, one. I will you cannot to, justify Star Wars. Anything in, about it. Star Wars is realistic. <laughs> the, it never the works. Best, the best part about this was when they were doing the the classic. Let's you know, let's brief the team on how we're going to defeat this thing. And then you got Han Solo's like, hey, you're making all this too complicated. Look, we're just going to fly in there. We're going to blow the things up. That's how, that's how we do this. <laughs> Which I thought was great, actually. <laughs> He's like, there's always a way. We'll just fly in there and do it. Uh, did somebody count the lens flares for the movie? I there were to do almost that. none, just actually. One. Just Bullshit. one. It was, it was actually very, very restrained. And, and like the reason why is if you actually um, if you heard him talk about um, uh, Star, Star Trek Into Darkness... Um, he actually um, had a point where he realized, like, he had a problem with lens flares that it was a bad thing. He had an intervention. He he actually yes he actually Aww. had to he had to budget and hire ILM to remove lens flares for Aww, Into Darkness. Oh, fucking good for him, dude. And that that was like his big thing is I I realize I have a problem. This is the first step. I actually had to hire ILM to remove lens flares from the movie. Um, in post. And so, um, yeah, I think he went way the other way. It's just like, you know what? I'm not even going to try. It's And and he was also, you got to bear in mind that, that the, the new movie looks a lot like the original trilogy. And I think it'd be really hard to sell that visual similarity if he had a bunch of lens flares in there. And I, I think that that's part of what kept it away as well. I can kind of see that. I'd say all in all, they, they did a really good job of capturing a lot of the spirit of the, of the original movie, not movie, certain, not the trilogy, but the original movie. I, and I think that, you know, they, they really just put like a modern, a modern spin on, I do like shaking up the characters a little bit. I thought that was really good. And I, and by the way, I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, and uh, Zell kind of, you know, he hit it up. Luke Skywalker is in the movie for like a grand, you know, like two minutes or like 90 seconds or whatever. It wasn't Speaks even no, 90 seconds. He's just, he just, no words. Yeah. But there. he acted the hell out of that last scene with just his face. I was incredibly impressed by that. Like that, that there was a lot going on right there. Um, and, and it was. I, I, have I, you seen all the memes about it? It was really good. No, I have not. There's like uh, what he's uh, there's ones with you know uh, Ray holding the lightsaber. He's like, did it that by any chance 
come connected to a hand. <laughs> what? Oh, the hell. <laughs> I have to say they made him look really badass. I mean, if you've followed Mark Hamill throughout the years, he went from Star Wars to looking absolutely terrible, and they actually mm. made him look really good for this movie, so. Uh, well, apparently he, he got in, he, he's... It's words words been around that he has been working out pretty heavily and like over the last like while while they were filming or whatever in order to to get back into quote unquote fighting way he he apparently is he's looking pretty good. There's a picture of actually him and Kevin Conroy, the the voice of Batman, the classic voice of you know, animated voice of Batman. Uh, they're actually getting get together to do to do the Killing Joke, by the way, which fucking phenomenal if you were a uh, Batman fan. I thought he was done with doing the nope. Joker. Oh. Yeah, he is. Like, and Kevin Conroy was too. But they brought both Hamill and Conroy back to do the Killing Joke, and there's a picture of them together that they tweeted oh. out, like on Instagram, and and it was clear that Mark Hamill looked like he lost like 40 pounds. Yeah, Carrie Fisher supposedly lost a bunch. Well, that of was too. that was a big yeah that was a big point of drama is that uh, awesome. she was apparently asked to lose a bunch of weight to be on the movie. Uh, she she looks pretty good for somebody who's like above the age of seventy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they made her look really. Good. Pretty much all the returning actors look pretty good. I mean, uh, yeah, Han Solo looked ragged, but that was probably intentional and it it worked. So you know, I'll buy it. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. I mean, everybody did well, but like I said, I wanted to, could not you know, take up uh, take a pass on giving props to to Mark Hamill for you know a role where he said not a word like. Like that was pretty good. That was a that was a really really excellent, uh, you know, excellent you know shot right there. I don't know what he's going to do in the next movie, but that was good. I wonder how much he got paid to stand there and look badass. Well, he, he's probably not seconds. getting paid just for like this one. They're getting paid for like a <laughs> oh, series yeah. of oh, movies. Absolutely. Harrison Ford made bank on that movie. He he nearly he, he nearly did. made um he made like Robert Downey Jr. level money. He like he's expected to make fifty million on the movie. Dude. Um. I do not think that uh, uh, what's her name, Carrie Fisher, is going to make nearly as much, and um, I I would hope that they didn't. I I would really hope they didn't pay uh, Mark Hamill fifty million dollars to stand there <laughs> and look dramatic. You know, I'm pretty sure. But I mean, right, I, Harrison Ford, I he didn't want to do the movie. He's, I'm sure he was like, "I'll do it if you kill me," because then I don't have to do any more. Yeah, no, nah, I kind of see that because he's he's not like forcey enough to like you know come back as a force ghost so well he's he's also probably the only person that doesn't actually like need slash really really deeply desire or want to do a series of movies either like this they're gonna no, do he has a, lots of money a side movie on him when he was younger though right but, yeah but they'll cast someone else for that obviously well, they're not obviously, gonna, they're not gonna but, make him younger well they've they, okay they, they have been saying that this the talk about this is kicked into high gear but the problem they're running into is like I actually think they're better off if they just don't do this one because no matter how, like it, it is so fraught with danger in terms of like, how do you cast it and what do you do with it? It's like, <laughs> it would be better if they didn't do this one. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually much, much more interested in seeing rogue one. That's it's like the story of how the, you know, the, uh, the death star plans got in the hands of the rebels. That, that looks pretty legit. And they're being really smart with how they're marketing that, where we're going to release the major movie every couple of years, but we'll keep you hooked with a smaller side story in between. I think it's, you know, it, it keeps people talking about it. And I think, it, you know, seeing the performance well, that they put out with this the one. Same, they're working the same strategy that's working for Disney on the, the Marvel front. Yeah, that's fair. You know, but it's it's good, though, because, I mean, it gives them a chance to 
kind of dive into some of the details that people care about but aren't necessarily worthy of a main title. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Yeah, I can count. Yeah, on I mean, that. I'm I I'm excited about that too because I like seeing those kind of stories. That I, I'm sick of like the fifth time we've seen um, Uncle Ben die for for Spider Man, and um, uh, we've seen how many times we've seen the Joker and Batman, and it, it's like there's so many times that the the same basic superhero stories get retread. That that's why I'm like super excited about uh, Suicide Squad. They have a new trailer out that looked pretty good. Um, uh, obviously. Um, uh, what's that movie? Um, I can't remember. Oh, um, no, I, I don't know. Just those kind of off, off movies that they wouldn't normally be able to throw together. Um, that usually the marketing people are like, you gotta keep it to the basics, dudes. Um, I'm, I'm really liking that some of these kind of branch out movies. Well, the, the, they released some set photos from uh, Rogue One and it, it looks like a World War II movie with X-Wings instead of like, P fifty one Mustangs. It, it it looked pretty good. Oh shit! There's a trailer out for it. Do we do we miss that? Uh, I have not seen the trailer. It, it looks it. like it came out on the third. I'm watching it right now. I'll link hmm. it. Give me a second. Okay, that could be, be pretty good. I can't wait to see Donnie again. Yeah, he's pretty cool actually. Alrighty. Well, folks, I think we're going to go ahead and start well, as as Bait is working to give us a link, which it just popped up. And I will look at that in a second. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and bring this one to a close. It was kind of a fun back and forth on uh, like our thoughts on uh, Star Wars Force Awakens. I think generally everybody thought it was good. Probably had a few gripes here and there on the edges, uh, but pretty good. And I'm and I think the biggest thing is I'm now hooked. I'm hooked on trying to find out what's going to happen in the next movie. Uh, because we're actually in territory where you really don't know what's going to happen. Whereas even in the prequels, like you kind of knew how it was going to end up, you know, so to speak, uh, which is kind of, that's kind of the, the beef with prequels. Like you, you, while it may be interesting to see how they got to the, where they first started at, you know, when you were introduced to the character, you ultimately know where they're going. Whereas now we're clearly in, in new territory. So I kind of, I kind of thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so folks, we're going to go ahead and do some knockout, some shout outs, and we're going to call it an evening. So we're going to start at the top of the list. Soraya, shout outs, brother. Um, Ritati has been confirmed alive. Um, that's the big news we hadn't talked about yet. We don't know anything further than that, but we did receive a proof of life. Uh, that's that's a biomass exclusive. All righty. There you go. Uh, and for those of you listening who don't know who we're talking about, and I assume you do, by the way. CCP Rotati, the man in charge of Dust Five One Four, is apparently alive. Uh, not that we didn't think he was—he was in mortal peril. We just hadn't heard it from him in a while, so we'll see what goes like on. Three months. Yep. Um, bait. Shoutouts. Um, yeah. Shout out to this Rogue One trailer. I'm kind of confused about what's going on, but it looks good. I guess it looks like a bunch of mashed-up scenes from. Uh, uh, from the four, five, six trilogy and the the one, two, three trilogy, with so what you're obviously saying is not really a trailer. No, <laughs> it's like it says official. Like there's some there's some uh, footage that I haven't seen before. I mean, there's a down star destroyer going down on what I assume is Jakku. So I guess we'll no, get dude, some that's story. from Battlefront. What? That's from yeah. Star Wars Battlefront. God damn it! It's it's fan You got you got taken. Fuck. <laughs> I was oh, looking too. I'm like, these are all fan man. Shout out to that goddamn trailer piece hey, of shit. Hey man, I'll double your risk. Get the fuck out. 
Shout out to my corporation, right. The Incorruptibles. As always, love you guys. Love having fun with you, Eve. Okay, all right. Wicked good. Um, let's see, Pokey. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Kylo Ren's lightsaber because people gave it so much shit and it's still the best one in the series. And he made it through a movie without losing a hand because of it. So, yeah. Are we sure it's awesome. There, there was a, there was a distinct... I, I, I think he got messed up, but I think all limbs are still mostly intact. And there attached. was a distinct lack of dismemberment in this for a Star Wars movie. It's because he had a cross guard. Now, somebody had to have gotten a hand cut off, right? I don't think anyone got a hand cut off in this movie, and that's that's really strange. I'm, for a I'm Star clearly Wars gonna movie. have to go back and watch the movie purely to see that. I, I somebody had to have had a hand cut off. I uh, for I thought that Kylo Ren did at the very end, didn't he? I no, don't think no. we see him lose anything. I mean, he's getting kind of. I think his his leg kind of gets nicked, but it's still attached as far well, as we certainly, can tell. It's certainly not as obvious as most of the hand cutting offs that we get in Star Wars. <laughs> so I, I guess it's possible, but yeah, no, awesome lightsaber. <laughs> Okay. All right. Wicked. Um, for shout outs, I, I also would like to uh, take a quick pitch to uh, CCP Frame. Uh, he's one of the one of the community managers slash devs over at CCP, and he just had a birthday. So happy birthday to you, bro. Uh, and I'll give my shout out to World of Tanks. Really enjoying the game. If anybody's been hanging around me or seeing me on PSN lately, I'm, I'm probably playing World of Tanks uh, because I enjoy it. It's, it's a fun game for me. So I, uh, th- those are really my shout outs and shout out to Zell for the idea on like knock it out Star Wars episode. This was a lot of fun and, and we could literally sit here and like geek out over this kind of stuff for a long time, but we kind of just need to have a, a uh, kind of a, a stopping point and, uh, and then we can kind of pursue on later. I'll be interested to see how this shakes out over the, over, uh, the life cycle of the new Star Wars, Star Wars series. So, without further ado, we appreciate you guys joining us for episode 89 of Biomast. Um, as always, uh, comments on the show are welcome. Uh, we do have a, a a periodic, but somewhat uh, somewhat consistent in terms of like uh, the type of tone of uh, notes that we get on either Twitter or email. And you can hit us up at uh, biomass.com. That's the blog, and you can always reach us there. You can also hit us up on Twitter. And for the record... Iowa Bait, what is your Twitter Twitter handle? I'm actually looking right now. It's at it's at Bryce underscore G seventy one. I like how he doesn't actually know his Twitter handle without looking because nobody twitters themselves. It's okay. <laughs> and and uh, Zell, your Twitter hand, Twitter handle is OCD Trekky. Nicely done. And Pokey uh, at Pokey Draven. It's easy. Yep. And I am at Jason Larison. J A Y S. E-N, Larison, L-A-R-R-I-S-E-N. See that? I can even spell it. How about that shit? Okay. All right, folks. So, again, thank you very much for joining us for Episode 89, and good night and good luck.